Welcome to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Parshas Tetzaveh, Rish on the first Aliyah in Parshas Tetzaveh. The topic of our Aliyah is Big Day Kahuna and the Aphod, which is the apron. We're going to learn about this in the course of the 14th Sukkim of Aliyah, which runs from Perek Chav Zayin Pasuk Chav to Perek Chav Ches Pasuk Yud Beis. Um, it is worthwhile noting that the entire parasha contains 101 psukim in total. Let's take a look at a brief overview of our aliyah and then dip into some points to ponder. So we're told at the beginning this very short paragraph, which is really the end of Perak Chavzayin, where you are commanded, as B'nai Yisrael, B'nai Yisrael are commanded to take pure oil in order to light this constant flame of the menorah, which is going to be outside of the parochas, and it is tended to by Aaron and his children every from from evening until morning in front of Hashem. So it is telling them how to light the menorahs. So the first time we hear about using the implements of the Mishkan, which are discussed in Parshas Truma. Now the next step is that he is told, You're supposed to take Aaron and his children to serve me, and their, their, their children, Aaron, his children, Anadav, Avio, Elazar, and Tamar, are going to be these Kohanim. And they're going to, in order to serve, they have to have big day Kodesh. They have to have these holy garments, which will be Lekavod or Lesifares, which are for honor and for splendor. So, therefore, in order to do this, Moshe is to recruit people who are Chachmei Lev, wise of heart, who have the a ruach chachma, a spirit of wisdom, and they're going to make these clothes. And then Moshe hears about the special clothes. There's a choshen, ephod, me'il, kasonis, tashbets, mitzefes, avnet. So we're going to hear about these garments, and the first one is the, the garment called the ephod. We hear that it is made of, of threads which are made of gold, blue, purple, crimson, and um, and sheish um, marsar linen, which are all woven together in the threads, and we hear about how it has um, two connected shoulder straps, and has a belt, um, and it uh, which goes around it, and on the shoulder straps are two gems, which are engraved upon them the names of Israel, six on the right, six on the left, and they are placed upon the shoulders. Of Aaron to carry the names of Israel in front of Hashem Zikaron as a remembrance. A lot of things to think about in our Aliyah. Let's first take the the, the beginning of the parsha. The Baal Haturim and the Pirush Harosh on the Torah on the Torah points out that point out that in fact if you look at this parsha, the name of Moshe is absent from this parsha. It's the only parsha in the Torah from the time that Moshe Rabbeinu is born that Moshe Rabbeinu is not. In the Sefer Torah. Why is this? So both of them explain that because Moshe Rabbeinu said, Hashem erased me from the book which he wrote. This is in Parashas Kisisa, next week's Parsha, um, when trying to defend the nation of Israel, Moshe Rabbeinu re- refuses to let go of the people even though they have sinned and says that Hashem should erase him from the book rather than destroy them. And as the Gomorrah in Marcos describes, that when a holy person makes a statement, even if the condition for that statement is not met, that statement may still have validity. And so therefore, therefore Moshe Rabbeinu, in a certain sense, is erased from the book, which book this is the parasha of Tetzave, which is a minimalistic expression of the curse that he mentioned as well. 
Now, why specifically is a Parshas Tetzaveh? So one suggestion could just be is that Tetzaveh is the very furthest Parsha from Kisisa in which Moshe Rabbeinu makes the statement. So if Moshe is going to make a statement which is going to have some impact of Moshe Rabbeinu being absent from a parsha, it's going to be the furthest parsha from the one in which he made the statement. So it's going to go all the way around the Torah, back again to Tetzavah, which is just before Kisisa. But the Balaturim says perhaps another reason that is that the, the main focus of this parsha is the Kohanim, the priests who are going to serve in the base of Megdash, in the Mishkan. Who are those Kohanim? Aaron and his children. Moshe Rabbeinu may have been is supposed to have been that Kohen, but he he actually lost that opportunity as we saw in the end of Parsha Shmois, and it was given to Aaron. So this Parsha really is the facilitating of Moshe Rabbeinu giving over the power to Aaron, which is why it is specifically this is the Parsha which is chosen for him to be absent. What's interesting is it does seem a little unfair, you know, going back to the reason that Moshe Rabbeinu pulled himself out in order to, to defend the people. Why should he lose his name? After all, he's this is the greatest, the greatest zechus and merit that he has. Why is this so important? Why, why, why should he lose out because of this? So it's worthwhile noting that actually, as much as Moshe Rabbeinu is absent from our parsha, he is very much present in our parsha. So, for example. The word that the parsha starts with is va'ata, va'ata tzaveh, and you. Who's the you? It's clear that the va'ata in this, that the, the first paragraph and the second paragraph of the parsha is all Moshe Rabbeinu, meaning the invisible facilitator of everything that's about to go on in the parsha is Moshe Rabbeinu. He is present everywhere. In fact, the Vilna Gaon points out that if you unpack the name of Moshe itself, that means to say, how do you unpack a name? Well, in Hebrew, there's a gematria, which is the numeric idea which is being conveyed. The words convey, we'll call it literary meaning, and they also convey numeric meaning. So the numeric meaning of a, of a word, but it, there's, a, there's a number of ways of receiving or understanding gematria. There's what's called the Shem HaNigle and the Shem HaNister, the, the revealed and the hidden words. What does that mean? Well, the revealed um, words uh, in the letters in the name of Moshe are Mem Shin Hei, Moshe. However, there is also the Nigle, the Nistar, which is the hidden letters. So the word Moshe is made up of the letter Mem. So you take the gematria of the letter Mem, that's Mem Mem, two forties. Shin is Shin Yud Nun. And then, then Hei is Hei Aleph. You take the entire gematria of Moshe's name um, and, and, you, uh, and you add up the Nistar letters as well it also tallies the number 101. Meaning, the Nigla, the revealed name of Moshe, Mem Shin Hei, is in fact 345. But if you take the hidden letters of Moshe Rabbeinu, of his name, it's 101, which is the amount of Pesukim in the parasha of, of Tetzaveh, almost as if Moshe Rabbeinu is very much present in this parasha. In fact, the Kohelis Yitzchak adds on that the parasha's Tetzaveh almost in, invariably comes out the week of Zion Adar, the seventh of Adar, which in fact is Moshe Rabbeinu's birthday and uh, Yardside at the same time as well. So Moshe Rabbeinu is very much here as well. In fact, the Orach HaMakarosh goes so far as to suggest that the reason why he's absent, at least explicitly, is because as he is giving over the Kohanim, the only way that, that, that Aaron and his children can become Kohanim is through Moshe Rabbeinu himself. He, he explains that when the Torah says, Atem Tiyuli Mamleches Kohanim, a kingdom of priests, Moshe is the Melech, he's the king, and he's facilitating Aaron and his children becoming priests. So it's only through him which is, which, which is possible, which is why it is so important that Moshe Rabbeinu, so to speak, is absent but ever-present in this parasha as a whole. So it's just as an introduction to Parashas Tetzaveh, the first word in our parsha 
as a whole. Next question we're just going to get into is understanding the uh, relationship that we have with clothes. The idea of big day Kodesh, these holy clothes. Why are they so important? Why is this, why is this necessary? Um, so it, it, just uh, quoting whimsically, Mark Twain used to say, clothes make the man, for naked people have little or no influence on society. But on a more substantial note, the, the, the Sefer HaChinuch points out um, 800 years before the, 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 uh, the development of behavioral psychology, the Sefer HaChinuch uh, points out that, where, that a person actually, in fact, is affected by the things around them. And therefore, he says, uh, um, um, famously, um, in Parsha's boy, he says, uh, Our actions bring the heart to the place where we ought to be. But more, uh, um, more when it comes to the economy, he says, When you look at the clothes you wear, you remember who you ought to be serving. And that's why it, 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 it is so important. If a person comes to a wedding and they're wearing jeans and a t-shirt, they're not going to experience the wedding in the same way as if they were wearing the appropriate clothing for that wedding. It's the way that you dress which frames you for that experience. In fact, there's a New York Times article on the topic of embodied cognition and it quotes two tests by the Kellogg School of Management, one in which um, there was um, there was a, a when when people were w told to wear either a lab coat or sleep or, or street clothes, those who wore a lab coat made um, less than half the amount of mistakes as those who wore regular clothes. This is in the laboratory. In fact, they did another experiment where 74 students were randomly assigned to one of three options, either wearing a doctor's coat, wearing a painter's coat, or looking at a doctor's coat. And then they had a test for sustained attention. They had a look at small pictures, various details and comparisons. And they found out that those who were actually wearing a doctor's co a coat, which was actually identical to the painter's coat, they were just told it's a doctor's coat, um, found many more differences in the pictures and were more attentive to detail. The clothing we wear impacts us, and this is how it is with Aaron and his children. The way and what they wear is going to impact them. What is the ephod as we get to the first of these clothes? Uh, Rashi goes on to a long description over here. The ephod is actually one half of a whole because the other, the other clothing item which relates to it is the choshen, which is attached to it. We'll get to that in the next aliyah. But essentially, the ephod is an apron. It's an apron which is worn around the back. Rashi says, in fact, that, um, that uh, maidens would wear this when going horse riding. So it was tied around the front and the, 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 uh, the apron would be around the back and there'd be these two shoulder straps which would come over and rest over the front of the shoulders. What is the point of this? Why, what is the function of it? So the Kleyakra quotes Chazal, who say in Erechind of Tezayin, that the ephod, this, uh, this apron, comes lechaper al avodazara on um, a pagan worship. In fact, that's why it says the Kleyakar, that the idea over here is in, in pagan worship, the idea, the corrupt idea or value system is worse than the action system, which is why there's so much focus on cheshev afurasoi, the, the belt, which is called cheshev, which is like the word machshava, thought, which is why it's so important, which is why it's so significant. In fact, the imagery goes further. He explains that the luchos, the tablets which were, were carried by Moshe Rabbein on each of his shoulders were broken because of the chet of Avarazor, of, of the chet Egel, which is why the, the shoulder straps, this ephod goes up to the shoulders where Moshe Rabbein carried those luchos before smashing them as well. In fact, he goes one step further to say that when we sin with Avarazor, when we introduce other powers into the equation, 
uh, other than God. And we do this still today, even though we don't bow down to sticks and stones, but we certainly introduce many other uh, uh, forces into our lives as we feel vulnerable and victims to them, rather than understand that God runs the entire show. When we do that, we limit HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Shekhinah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is only Bein Kaseifov. The idea is where Hashem appears only between the staves of the, of, of the Ark. The two um, staves of the Ark, which is called between the shoulders, but also between the shoulders of the Eifor, where Hashem's presence is limited to Aaron HaKoyen, not to all of humanity, when this the, when sin happens. And that's why the Eifor is, is this, is, uses this notion of the two um, shoulder straps. We'll carry on with its joining item, which is the Chosh in the next Aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful, meaningful day.